Are you setting goals and expectations for yourself that encourage you repeatedly to override the needs of your system? And if so, what structural changes have to happen in your immediate environment so that your instincts can come alive? So there's more space for you to be in your body. This is the Made for Living Well podcast, hosted by Alexa Sherm, the place to create a life well-lived. Welcome back to Made for Living Well. This is part two of a two-part series that I'm doing with Nisia Nelson, who has an amazing wealth of information helping us to understand the importance in minerals and changing and supporting our mind and really nourishing the whole of who we are. We can't have healing by just focusing on one component of our life, but it's all of them working together. And then in part two, we're going to start to learn what does it look like to remineralize my body, to heal it, and to help it to feel nourished so that we can think differently. This is an amazing podcast, again, with Nisia Nelson in part two. If you haven't listened to part one, make sure you go back and do so. And once this podcast is over, make sure you check out all of Nisia's work. She has many offerings, including an Eat to Go Deep workshop and maternal as well as one-on-one containers that you can do over the course of six months or longer. If you've never done this sort of work, I would highly recommend it. It is worth every investment that you can put into it because it will completely transform not just your body, but how you present yourself in the world and how you live your life. Again, you can find all of the information on these classes and more about Nisia's work at thelivingwell.com, where I also have more about digging into this remineralizing your body, and really what this looks like to live it out. Again, you can find all of that at thelivingwell.com. Make sure you sign up for my email list. And also, if you want just a quick intro workshop to doing this work, you can click on classes and find the metabolic eating workshop that I have that will lead you into going a little bit deeper with Nisia. Okay, but for now, let's dive right in where we left off in part one. Here's Nisia. I have one more question as it relates to the psychological healing. Do we as individuals have to speak everything to heal it or in the process of healing, can you, can you see your body in psychology unwind these traumas and release them without really ever working through them? Define working through them. Like, can you get to a place where your body is so healthy that if you start dealing with some some trauma, that it releases other trauma with it that you don't necessarily have to process through all of that again? I don't think you necessarily have to verbally process it. Mm-hmm. I actually don't believe that you have to understand trauma to move it through. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. a common misconception that you have to creating an understanding of what's happening in your body. And then that will give you the wisdom of what's at the root of it. I just prefer to take women into feeling the root of it. And then the natural conclusion and wisdom may come like three months later, Mm. you know, I was feeling this way and I stayed present with it for a period of time. I didn't ask it to go away and I supported myself well in moving into the feeling and three months later, I pr- was provided the insight, you know, that that's a more upper center thing that the spiritual insight of making meaning out of our experience. 
came later. Mm-hmm. And then I understood the complete full circle purpose of that experience. I think sometimes we go in from the other way where we want to make meaning out of our experience right away and then it to change something in our body. So hopefully if we are just present with the sensations and the feelings in our system and we have the foundation in our biology to do that in a good way, then those sort of closing of the loop that you're describing when something, when you're able to resolve something that just is a natural byproduct. Maybe it is that you processed a few things at once because trauma happens in layers and there's doorways that go really deep. So maybe you come to the first layer and there's also something underneath that gets moved at the same time. But the key is that we don't make meaning of it at the time. Mm. We don't need to engage our mind and walk through the mental gates of understanding in the beginning we can be present with what's happening in our body and then wait for our mind to be ready to receive the wisdom of what that means in our life. That's really powerful because it slows down enough to let the healing happen and not yeah. just rush through the process. It's the antidote. Uh-huh. Yeah, trauma happens often quickly in the system. Uh, shock trauma especially wants to unwind itself in a very quick way in a hard and fast way mm-hmm. and the western world is really addicted to that process especially the sort of generation of 20s 30s 40s right now mm-hmm. people in their 20s and 30s and 40s and i think as much as we can rebel against that and apply slowness to our healing the more we'll find that how it lands in our body is a lasting change, not something that we have to maintain over and over, which is what I see with women most commonly is that their state of wellness requires a lot of maintenance. Mm. And we want wellness just to be a basic thing we're experiencing. And then on the other side of that doorway is your actual life. Yeah. That's so powerful. Could could you give women a picture of what this looks like? Because I think sometimes we've only been shown one side of wellness that isn't really well at all. <laughs> what does this look like in a life to live this way? Well, it comes back to some of the things that we were just speaking about with what a process looks like in a woman's life to reclaim wellness in all areas. And I mentioned that it starts with the foundations of nutrition and it extends into the psychology and situational aspects. And then finally the healing is provided on all levels. And what it looks like is just a manifestation of that. Mm -hmm. We Mm -hmm. see a woman who has the time and space to be able to eat properly every day to connect with nature through her food, which is what your ancestors would have done, to be able to take in food that sustains her and is able to provide her with all the energy she needs to meet the demands of life. Situationally, she is living in a place that feels nourishing, a job or daily activity that feels nourishing, whether that's being a mother, 
perhaps she volunteers doing something, you know, it looks different for every single woman. So by all means, I'm not pigeonholing and saying it has to be a profession or it has to be motherhood. But what does it look like for this person to be in a full state in their life in terms of fulfilling a purpose or some sort of a interaction with the world that feels meaningful for her? Mm -hmm. She's in a relationship that feels basically grounding and doesn't feature a lot of dramatic highs and lows and one where she can walk through the doorway of spiritual change and opening alongside her partner if chosen. Mm -hmm. And then her relationships reflect that nourishment and there's not food restriction happening. There's not restriction of that, which is good for her happening and in her psychology, in her thoughts and feelings, she's experiencing a baseline of the world reflecting back to her. It's good to be here. It's safe and good to be here. There is spaciousness to do and be who I need to be instead of the not enoughness that can contrast that where there's not enough time, there's not enough energy, I'm not enough. You can feel the difference between that. It's the difference between fullness, mm -hmm. which is very grounding, and emptiness, contraction, and wanting, which carries a very different tone. Mm -hmm. So, of course, the facets of that, the details will look different for every single woman. But I like to think of it as fullness versus, you know, lack and emptiness. Yeah. I mean, like you said, you can almost feel it in the way that you describe it, the very difference between those two lives or those two thought processes about life. When you talk about this, and and we've talked here on the podcast, especially this summer, about the feminine and masculine energy, can you share more about the this feminine side? Because it really has been lost in our society a little bit or uh, minimized maybe and that we don't even know how to express that in ourselves. Can you kind of explain that for a woman, what the feminine side is, why that's important in our life and how do we regain some ground in that area? I mean, you've shared a lot about that already, but just diving more into that aspect of it as it relates to this. Women have been conditioned in our society to abandon their nature, though as to be equal to men. And in that way, I believe that there are places that feminism has betrayed women in really profound ways in the name of equality. Mm. The truth is that we're not small men. And women are their own incredible force of nature that could never be summarized as equal to men. Men are wonderful and they have their own unique qualities and frequencies, but women, women are creational beings. We have the ability to make life. You know, a, a man gives us a seed and at the end of nine months, we give him a child. Mm -hmm. So Part of reclaiming our nature is asking the question, what house does femininity live in? What does it look like to prepare the vessel of your body to house femininity, your own specific flavor of femininity in a way that 
you can share it and express it with the world. Women have been asked to overwork themselves and to treat their bodies in a way that goes against their biology. And it might seem like that has happened and provided some benefits for them, but what is the cost that has been incurred in terms of our fertility and basic sense of wellness? Mm -hmm. When women come home to themselves, many of them realize that those pursuits actually haven't fulfilled them because they take them out of their bodies, especially athletes and other high performance jobs. Women will tell you over and over again that the cost of that success has been their menstrual cycle, their feeling of well-being, their rest, their rejuvenation, And reclaiming those things is part of reclaiming their femininity. Mm -hmm. I did a set of stories on my Instagram the other week because I was having so many reflections from women about their desire to wear color being attached Mm -hmm. to their healing. (laughs) And I ended up with hundreds of messages from women who said that as they renourished their body and started to bring in remineralization into their daily routine, as they reclaimed the right to rest and the pace of life that's more appropriate for them as a female person, they were able to be attracted to different types of things. Even one woman said she painted all the walls in her house with color Mm. for the first time in her life. And Another woman reflected that she used to need a completely stark home with not many things in it. And now she's able to look around at the fullness in her house, though it has many things, items, things on the walls, you know, maybe items from her children around. And she feels joy Mm -hmm. when looking at that because she's comfortable in that environment. So women's attraction to vibrant expression and a full expression and a creative expression is directly connected to how much they're comfortable embodying their femininity. I believe that starts with nourishment. Mm -hmm. It's a really great place to start. And then it can extend out into all these areas of your life. So what does it look like for a woman to reclaim her femininity What does that look like on a daily basis for a woman to reclaim the pulse of her feminine system as a guide point for how she structures and lives her life instead of the other way around, you know, putting the masculine structure into your life and then expecting your feminine essence to function within that, which will feel caging and confining and very detrimental to your health. What does it look like to allow your feminine essence to inform and lead everything that you do? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so powerful when you start to see those shifts. And it's so funny that you mentioned about color. As I went through my own healing journey, I experienced the same thing. Like I, I uh, became very attracted to like these deep earthly colors and this moodiness that was kind of out of the norm, you know, in, in the world of, of that we were living in the minimalistic, everything white, like you said, that stark contrast and just being drawn to that, like that deepness, the depth of, 
like uh, greens and reds. And um, I actually went and bought a velvet green couch <laughs> and it feels so, it, it makes me feel so happy. And yeah, that's free. beautiful. <laughs> I mean, it's, it, but you could dismiss that so easily as just such a little, a little thing. And it is in some sense, but again, it's just that reclaiming of that creative side of that, that other, that pull more into the, the realness of my life. And seeing, seeing color differently, seeing, Mm -hmm. seeing your environment as more of a reflection of the multitudes that are contained within you, because that's a feminine way to see yourself and your surroundings as well. So is color and when you're not in this healthy state, when you're overwhelmed and your body is not nourished and we haven't done the healing, is is that just too much to take in? Is that why we're more drawn to that stark kind of the whites of the world rather than the color? Is the color too much? Is it overwhelming? Can you just not experience it or see it? because your creative processes are shut down, what what makes that different? I think women seek external safety more in the bones of our environment when we don't have an internal state of safety happening. Mm. So perhaps for some women that looks like having everything really plain and clean within the home. I'm not not trying to knock cleanliness because I think it's also yeah. incredible. <laughs> incredible to have your space organized and it has such a soothing impact. But if you don't have that basic sense of safety and you're hyper fixating on keeping things really controlled and Mm -hmm. it depends on your relationship to it. Mm -hmm. There's, there's many wonderful designers whose concepts and aesthetics feature neutral tones, but it's your relationship to that, which will only be something that each individual woman could tell you what's true for them. I can't tell you what your relationship to all the white walls is, mm-hmm. but you could tell me. Mm-hmm. But through the lens of each woman, we learn the truth of how she's perceiving her world. Mm-hmm. I noticed that black does correlate with adrenal fatigue. Women who are really low on sodium and potassium tend to often have a predominantly black wardrobe Mm. and it can be very common for them to have a history of veganism. There's Mm. a lot of really interesting pieces of information out there, both scientific and anecdotal that speak of that. So that's one pattern that I've seen come up over and over and over again. And just the reclamation of variation which is something that maybe doesn't feel safe for people who are controlling their environment. Mm -hmm. You know, color is very varied (laughs) and you have to stretch different parts of your, your being to Mm -hmm. interact with different tones and themes around you. So to keep everything very much the same, it's the sameness that I focus on when I think about how the neutral tones are impacting somebody or why they might be choosing Mm -hmm. them Mm -hmm. it's what is why is somebody choosing to have control in their external environment and have things be always the same Mm. yeah it's that relationship like um 
you mentioned when we before we got on the show. And I kind of want to dive into that before. I know it's getting long, but it's so fascinating and so helpful. But the relationship that we have with our world, with other people, and even this aspect of nourishing ourselves and having the mineralization and having that safe safety within ourselves influences how we react and respond to other people. How does all this relate to our relationships, to how we pick a spouse or a partner? What does this look like in that aspect of our life? I think that to be really clear in our choice of somebody who is going to nourish us, we have to first be willing to do that for ourselves. This is something that can happen while you're in a relationship. So if you're in a relationship and perhaps you didn't start that way, it's not too late. (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful things can happen and you're a sovereign being with a lot of power. But the commitment to nourishing ourselves and taking responsibility for our own internal well-being is the thing that sets the tone for our relationship to reflect that back to us. And if you're choosing people in your life, whether that be friends, family, or a partner who you feel are going to make up for something that you lack, it will be very difficult for you to have a nourishing relationship with them. When we're completely nourished inside of ourselves and we take responsibility for that that incredible opportunity to do that for ourselves and provide ourselves with that healing, then we're able to move into a place where we have a deeper connection with other human beings in our lives. Mm. Mm -hmm. I, I would love to hear what your specific questions are about choosing partners. Yeah. I mean, I love how you said that sometimes we look for other people to almost fill our nourishment that we don't nourish ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that's really powerful because it's so easy for us to look outside of ourselves for all the things that we feel broken inside of us and expect like almost transferring the power to something else to fix what feels so broken inside of us. And then you expect someone else to fill this void for you. The, they really can't fill. I guess one of the questions I'm having is, do you feel like unhealthy people attract unhealthy people? Or do you feel like unhealthy people are looking for healthy people to help because they feel that health inside of them and they want that? I don't think a healthy person would say yes to fulfilling that role. Mm, So that you might be attracted to them, but they're not going to give into that. Yeah. I mean, it's the the victim rescuer perpetrator triangle. Are you familiar Mm -hmm. with that? Mm -hmm. A little bit, but can you explain it? Yeah. So it's something that you can just take as a basic concept in your own life. If, if you're interested in how it applies to any situation and look for the archetypal themes showing Mm -hmm. up and see if there's one polarity of that triangle that you are specifically drawn to in many circumstances, for instance, you were mentioning that is somebody who is feeling quite broken with the emphasis being on the feeling, you know, mm-hmm. they in their state of who they are, are not broken, but they're feeling broken. And would they seek out somebody who provides a sense of wholeness to them because they see that person that way? 
And then if that person said yes to that, they would be embodying the victim rescuer mm-hmm. parts of that triangle. Mm-hmm. And perhaps there's something in that person who wants to occupy that position of rescuer. But if that person is truly well, they would be able to say, you know, I can't do this for you because I can't provide you with wholeness. Mm-hmm. You have to provide you with wholeness. So I think that you attract what you are. That's mm-hmm. my more blatant way to say it. And that we attract the people that reflect back to us exactly what we are embodying in our lives. Uh, women don't like to take responsibility for this. They like to blame or place responsibility on men for not showing up for them in certain ways. But once they can drop into the concept that it really is a reflection of their embodiment, the caliber of man that they're able to attract just grows exponentially. Mm. Can you expand on that last statement that you said about dropping into basically the essence of themselves that they, what does that look like? Yeah. So if you, let's see, I'm trying to think of like a really accessible example for somebody who hasn't done any polarity work and is not as familiar with masculine feminine concepts. But you know, if you, if you're a stay at home mom and Mm -hmm. you are a stay at home woman and your husband comes home and there are many things that have not got done that you are wanting him to show up for. And your first response is to blame, complain, and basically let him know where he has let you down and there are faults at play. You are abandoning your own nature in the moment because embodying the energy of complaining is harmful to your feminine system. Mm. It's a lot easier to embody fear, judgment, and blame than it is to come home to our desire. And so that might simply look like saying, I could really use some help right now. I'm feeling very overwhelmed. Would you be willing to help me do this? Mm -hmm. If these things could get done, it would sure allow me to rest and feel so rejuvenated. It feels so good when I have your help. Mm -hmm. You know, it might look different for every woman, but the tendency for women to come into the masculine space and meet men head to head Mm. actually keeps us withheld from our nature. Mm -hmm. And once we can recognize that that's actually harmful to us more than it is to them, Mm. then the reclamation of that essence is for us first. Mm -hmm. And ironically, that's the thing that is inspiring and welcomes men into the space of healthy, masculine, feminine relating. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing that inspires men to show up for us in a really, really resolute way. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it, the polarity understanding is 
such powerful work. And again, it is. It's it's funny how often women step into and embody the masculine state. Do you think more women embody the masculine state than men embody the feminine side? Yes. Is it just because of the cultural way we've been taught? Yes. And I think that women are very complicit in the attempt to feminize, further feminize men, Mm. you know, by asking them to do everything from go to talk therapy with them Mm -hmm. and work through their issues in a feminine way to insisting that men spend long time holding space for their feelings that are often driven by hormonal imbalances And this gets into like the deeper harmonics of things that are going to be more and more present in my work as I go on with developing new modules of my course that are specific to women working in polarity spaces. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I feel that that's so important is because if you're bringing those imbalances to the table and using them to inform what you're expecting of your partner, what you're going to get in return is not going to be the union that you're seeking. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. when women in states of hormonal imbalance are trying to use that lens to inform what they're expecting of their partner, you often get dramatic depolarization and just the push for men to become more like women or step into the feminine space. And really what women need to do is just claim that space for themselves Mm. to animate that space fully to you know, to be okay to embody your full emotions in front of your partner and not have to have him do the same. Mm. To be so clear in your approval of your fullness that you can just let him witness that. Mm. Mm-hmm. And that's that will be profoundly healing for both of you and preserve the polarity in your relationship. Mm-hmm. But women in their push to be masculinized by society then come around and harm, or maybe that's not an appropriate word, they project that back onto men and requesting that they become more feminine, I think, to try and make it okay for them to be feminine. Mm. Mm -hmm. Because we've been told that being masculine is better for us. You know, if you, if you achieve these things, you'll feel good. And if you override all the signals in your body, you'll, you'll have achieved wellness because mm-hmm. you'll look this way or you'll be a size two, or, you know, if you just, just crush this workout, you know, you'll feel like you've really accomplished something. And so women are just like starving for validation that it's okay to be a woman, that it's okay to not want those things. It's okay to be filled with emotion and really want space in our bodies. And Mm -hmm. we can project that outwards as a need towards men and a desire for them to meet us in that space when really we need to meet us in that Mm -hmm. space. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What are a few ways that we can do that? How can we meet ourselves there? I hate to keep banging on the drum of the same thing, but coming, come home to your body with Mm -hmm. food, Mm -hmm. reclaim your right to eat. It's so important. And there's so many women out there that are not doing it. 
They think they are. And then when they look at what's actually happening, they're under eating by at least a thousand calories a day, or they don't eat until two o'clock. Yeah. Or they're skipping two out of the three meals and only eating once a day and intermittent fasting and all these things. So first and foremost, come home to your body at a cellular level, get real with yourself about what nourishment looks like for you. And then get honest about what level of spaciousness you might want in your life that you're not having currently. Mm -hmm. Are you setting goals and expectations for yourself that encourage you repeatedly to override the needs of your system? And if so, what structural changes have to happen in your immediate environment so that your instincts can come alive? Mm -hmm. So there's more space for you to be in your body. If you need half an hour in the morning to do movement and do some somatic processing or experiencing or dance or other feminine practices. And you don't have that in your life because you're not willing to make the changes necessary to gift it to yourself. Then it's going to be really, really hard for you to continue down the path of reclaiming your feminine essence. Yeah making space in your life for that is really, really important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it might feel against the norm, but just because it's normal doesn't mean it's healthy for any of us. No, it's not. And you can see it in how many women are experiencing a decline in their fertility. Our fertility is the first and foremost biomarker of our health. Mm -hmm. If you're struggling with pain in your menstrual cycle, irregular cycles or other variations of health in terms of your reproductive organs and your pelvic health in general, something in your life is out of alignment. Mm -hmm. It's a hard truth. Something in your life is out of alignment. Mm -hmm. But it's powerful truth because if you can start to recognize that, then you can start to make these changes. Um, that really heal your body. So the last question, I want to bring this all full circle talked a lot about the mineral side of this. What does that look like to remineralize your body? Do you think you can do it with food alone? Do we need to be taking something in addition to a very high quality nutrient dense diet? What is your take on that? I don't believe in supplementing minerals in isolation. So if Mm -hmm. a woman does want to bring in supplementation the product I would recommend is uh, Mitigate Stress Master Mineral Drink, which is magnesium, sodium, and potassium in the right proportions for your cells. And I love that product. I can send you a link if you want. And yeah, there's no good. affiliation from me. It's uh-huh. it's just love. Yeah. Um, it's the product that I recommend to all my clients. And uh, magnesium bicarbonate is really important for the production of HCL, like digestion depends on it. And in a hypothyroid state, often that's something that's really suffering. And ironically, hypothyroid bodies don't hang on to intercellular magnesium very well. So replenishing that is important. I don't believe that in this modern world, you can get by in healing your body with necessarily only food. Mm Mm-hmm. I wish I could say that you could. And I think maybe if you had a lot of time and your imbalances weren't so severe that there's a way to do that. But 
I think just a basic mineral liquid like mm-hmm. mitigate stress can offer the boost that women need to start to see some real changes. So I would have, uh, I would gladly recommend that product mm-hmm. to anybody, no matter the circumstance that they are experiencing in their life. It's very, very safe product. It doesn't have any negative effects and it's supportive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's my take on food and supplements in a broad sense. I really love ancestral foods and the more organ meats and raw dairy and things like that, that you can incorporate, the less your need for supplementation is going to be. Mm -hmm. So, so there's definitely an opportunity and a window there to bring in more nutrient dense foods that often rest in things like organs and milks and raw products. But all in all, I believe that things like minerals and shilajit can be a great one as well, are provisional for a female body in terms of healing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I will link that product up in the show notes. But one last thing before we go, what is your last piece of advice you want to leave the listeners of the show with that really encourage them on this journey? If you have been waiting for a moment to reclaim your right to a full life, this is your moment. Mm. And Mm. if you're listening and you're knowing that that is true for you, then when I said that, you will feel it in your body. And that's really the key for women is to start to learn to listen with their bodies instead of through their minds And instead of taking in all information to use their body as a guide to tell them what's right. So your system, when I said that, if you're ready, would be like, yes, this is, that's for me. Mm -hmm. I know it's for me. And choosing things in your life that way is the first step to reclaiming your femininity. Mm -hmm. Because you're trusting your instinct over information. And that perhaps is the most rebellious thing that women can do in this generation is to honor our instinct. The thing that tells us how to give birth without ever knowing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When I gave birth, I had never seen a birth before. Mm -hmm. So that instinct rests inside your physiology and coming home to yourself simply requires that you honor it. Mm-hmm. align yourself with it and give it importance enough that you use it as a guide to inform you on what is true for you. Mm-hmm. That's so, so wise. And this entire podcast has been incredible. I know that there's going to be a lot of people who want to learn more from you and what you have to offer. You do have a class, correct? I have a couple things. Okay. That are coming up right now. I have an incredible 11 week one on one container. It's a small group mentorship. And that is starting at the end of February. Um, the link for that I will give you, and you can find okay. it as well in my Instagram bio. There's a couple spaces left in that, and it's called Maternal 
It's a deep dive into the archetype of mother and mothering, including feminine nourishment, nervous system health and well-being, childhood experiences, and mothering children and beyond into the world. And that's really awesome for women who perhaps are not ready to come to the one-on-one space directly with me, but want a chance to receive live guidance and coaching Mm-hmm. and teachings from me and to connect with other women who are on a similar path. And then I have a course coming out probably the end of spring or early summer called Eat to Go Deep. Mm-hmm. And that is a self-paced nutrition course that encompasses everything from eating for your nervous system to remineralization, ancestral foods, repatterning of childhood experiences and spiritual work. I took all of the facets of learning that I would have needed to support my own spiritual journey and emotional uncovering, and I put them into a program. It also features live guest teachers and other amazing things that I have not released yet. So uh, I'm really excited about that course, and it should be ready before the summer. So if you're interested in signing up for that wait list, you can find that link in my Instagram bio as well. And there'll be a special offer to the people who sign up that goes out before it goes on sale to the public. And of course, my one-on-one container is open for wait list. Right now, I don't have any spots, but I often have changes in that. So If that's something that women are interested in, they can send me an email directly via Instagram or uh, fill out the form on my bio to find out more about that. And can you let us know what your Instagram handle is? My Instagram handle is I am Alter. I am Alter. A-L-T-A-R. Perfect. I will link all of that up in the show notes and grab those links from you so everyone has them. I thank you so much for joining us, for sharing your wealth of wisdom. And I would encourage anyone who wants to learn more to check out some of your programs that will go so much deeper into all of this information, really start the healing process in a new way. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Okay, that is it with the podcast with Nisia. It was a true honor to have her on the show, and I hope that you learned just as much as I did. If you want to continue following Nisia or learn more about her programs, you can head to thelivingwell.com where I have linked everything up, including the magnesium supplement, Mitigate Stress. So you can head on over there to find out more information, or you can find her on Instagram at IamAlter. And before we go today, I do want to remind you, don't forget to rate and review the podcast. If you're loving the show, head on over to wherever you listen to podcasts and leave a five-star rating and review. I would love to know what you're thinking about the show and what other topics you'd like to learn about. You can also always send me an email with comments, thoughts, updates, things you're learning at alexa at thelivingwell.com. I do read every single email and I love to be a part of your journey. So keep me in the loop. And in the meantime, next week, we're back on the show with a brand new update with my husband and I. It's, it's already time for a new month. So join me back here next week with a new interview with my husband, Peyton. We'll see you then.